Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good risings. I'm Liz Earnshaw and this is Hash It Out. Welcome back. We are continuing our conversation about attachment with Sylvie Kukasian, who is one of my dearest friends, but also someone that knows so much about attachment and how it impacts relationships. So let's hop back into our conversation. Dear Sylvie and Liz, can you have a healthy relationship if you have different attachment styles? I know what your answer to this is. Do you? <laughs> I think you've already alluded to it this week in talking about you and your partner's different attachment styles. So can you have yes. a healthy relationship? Definitely you can. There's so many different ways to answer this. If I was really, really early on in my anxious tendencies, like years and years ago, being with someone that had really strong avoidant tendencies may have been really difficult. But because I've done work on this for a while and my partner has done work on this for a while, it was not easy to meet in the middle. And there's still times where I'm like, wow, we really speak such different languages. But the key is understanding that each of the attachment styles has very different core wounds and very different core needs. So somebody that has anxious tendencies, again, really wants connection time. And if they don't have enough of that, they can start to feel really alone, really uncared for, again, and not safe. Like Again, it really goes back to that safety and security. And somebody that has more avoidant tendencies, if they don't have enough space or if they're being asked to enter connection in a way that doesn't honor or acknowledge their autonomy, that can really terrify them and they can shut down and want to leave a relationship. So just that awareness right there of the two frames. And, you know, someone with fearful avoidant, I want to acknowledge that as well, they are afraid of being used, afraid of feeling like they can trust. So honoring their slower pacing is something to be to be mindful of. So if we can have a conversation, if you and I were having a conversation, Liz, about our attachment tendencies, I would want to know what your sensitivities are, what your vulnerabilities are, what your needs are. And I would want to share what minds are with you so that we at least can hold all of those together in a big big pot and know that I'm not going to always get yours right, of course, and you're not going to always get mine right. And when we enter conflict in certain moments, we're going to have to repair those things. I'm going to have to acknowledge that maybe I addressed you in a way that felt really intrusive and whoa, was really intense. And I, you know, maybe I was critical or blaming and you might want to acknowledge, you know, what would you want to acknowledge, Liz? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, I think I can be intense and if people, if I read that somebody's like upset or they're being more distant, then I become very fawn-like and I'm like trying to be their best friend in that moment. It's like a lot and probably too much. And then they come back and they're like, whoa, I was just in the bathtub. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that was way too much. So 
I would want, you know, to be able to acknowledge that sometimes I behave in that way. And also sometimes I I can be distant. Like I can forget to respond to people's messages and not recognize necessarily that they're needing that in that moment. And so both of those things can play out for me. And that's so beautiful to hear you verbalize that, right? Like just the way that you can be objective, that you've you've brought those things and they're no longer unconscious. You're aware that you have those patterns and you're like, yeah, I do that sometimes. And I know that can impact you. How empowering that is for your relationships, how much more connection and repair is possible, because that's what it really comes down to. You know, both people in a friendship and an intimate relationship have to create agreements that are going to protect the relationship and that are going to foster connection. So somebody that has more avoidant patterns is going to want less connection than somebody that has more anxious patterns. So their opportunities to stretch themselves to more connection rituals. Somebody that has more anxious tendencies, really about learning how to ask for connection in ways that is less intrusive, that, you know, finding ways to be more of an invitation rather than demanding it. So there's and assumptions, a- right? And assumptions. I'm just assuming what's going on. One thing that I find to be really helpful after you have these conversations is that it's just part of the fabric of the relationship. So you can use humor, you can Mm. use affection around it, right? So if I start to feel, let's say that I texted Sylvie and she took two days to get back to me and in my anxious ways, I'm like, why does she hate me now? What have I done? But in reality, you know, she has her own life or the message didn't go through. Something that I could do in those moments is laugh at myself, right? And say, laugh out loud, Sylvie. I'm starting to have a panic attack. Do you hate me now? And (laughs) because Sylvie, let's say, knows that about me, she in that moment wouldn't be accused of ignoring me, she would be able to also laugh and say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Liz. I got into my own little bubble and I was busy and I completely forgot to respond. Or if you're not someone that likes to use humor, you can then be affectionate around this. You know, oh, I just noticed I missed your message, Sylvie. I'm so sorry. I love you so much. And I know that's really hard for you. So because it's a part of the relationship, you can use it within conversations in a way that can be really beautiful, but also can do what Sylvie talked about a lot at the beginning of the week, which is create repair. That's really, you know, the vulnerability because repair is vulnerability. You know, it's acknowledging self, but acknowledging the other and I think that that is such an important relationship skill to learn and to recognize. And now I'm going to be keeping out for those messages, Liz, and making sure I'm on top of it. I have a code word with one of my friends. Like if she doesn't respond right away or if I feel like she's distant, I just send her like a picture of a sheep. That's like our thing. And it like makes, like you said, right? It makes us laugh without having to go there every time. Like, oh, you know, I'm feeling this thing. Because sometimes like, We just know, right? That's the beauty of knowing each other's vulnerabilities because it allows us to make those repairs so much more quickly, just to be able to get back to connection again. Yeah, and because your friend knows, you know she knows. So you can send the humorous text because you know she'll get it, but she also knows what's going on. So she can respond to that. And I think that that's the beauty about just talking about this stuff and making it something that's allowed to be on the table. 
And I want to say one thing that's so important and is also to vet the people in our lives for this, because there are some people that it doesn't matter how many times we share that these are things that we're vulnerable with. They don't have the desire or the interest to make these things important. I mean, I've, I've experienced this a lot in the last few years with certain friendships. Some people just don't want to talk about these things. They don't want to apologize. They don't want to repair. They don't want to go to these emotional places. And if you're showing up that way and you're making repairs and you're doing this job of being really present for other people and they're not willing to explore themselves and take responsibilities, that's when you can't have a healthy relationship. And that's an important distinction to make. I'm Liz Earnshaw and you can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. Thank you for listening to Good Risings. If you enjoy this podcast, please let us know by leaving a review. We love hearing from you. Until next time, love on your loved ones. And when that gets hard, tune in to hash it out. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.